0: Welcome to another edition of the MIA All Day Podcast. I am your host, Carlos Ledo, and this is essentially the second time I've done this podcast today because I recorded a 26-minute episode um, earlier today and went to download the content and realize that this new headset that I'm wearing today, that I'm wearing to test out before our um, Manny and I's live appearance at the Garrison this evening to record White Right tonight at 8 p.m., Garrison Tap Room in Miami Lakes in Main Street. Um, yes, uh, I had this muted for twenty six minutes, so I was just basically talking to myself, and nobody recorded so i i I pull up the audio and I put up the video file that was recorded and uh nothing silence now, I must admit that probably made the podcast a lot better to be quite honest it it you know just me miming things where you can try and figure things out and not have to listen to my voice, I think might have made the podcast a little bit better, but either way, here we are back at it again, so. Recapping Virginia Tech, I'm not going to get into a full in-depth uh, recap of the game. There's plenty of people that have done that already. Um, not only that, but uh, after speaking for 26 minutes, uh, not really in the mood to go for another 26 minutes, right? So I'm going to go short and sweet. It was a tale of two halves, right? You know, in the first half, the Hurricanes' offense came out blazing. They did some of the things that I wanted them to do for quite some time. You know, last week on the or the preview pod leading into this game. I was asked about you know, short yardage packages and red zone packages for Jakari Brown, something that I talked about on Wide Right before the season with Manny because of the injuries to Trevante Citizen and uh, Don Chaney Jr. I thought that would be a good idea to incorporate. Then after the Texas A&M game, I said it again because I thought due to the red zone issues, it would be a good idea to have a red zone package and a and or a short yardage package for Jakari Brown so that way it could be 11 on 11. The defense now has to defend 11 players as opposed to 10 because you have a, th- a run threat at quarterback. Um, so good to see that incorporated. Good to see um, the the bubble screens and the quick screens incorporated to widen the defense, uh, force them to play sideline to sideline, and then also the vertical shots to Colby Young. So now you're, you're making the defense play three-dimensionally. You're making them both defend vertically and horizontally, and that puts more pressure on them. Um, of course, Colby Young, amazing game. I think the big thing about him is not only, you know, his ability to, to make contested catches, but I think his hands, his catch radius, those things are incredible to see. And I think, you know, as great as he was, I think there was some meat left on the bone. I think they they, they missed him on an RPO glance near the goal line where Tyler had him and missed him. Um I think Tyler forced it a couple times to him. There was one time in particular on the goal line where the corner just dropped to the back corner in the end zone, and Tyler still tried to throw it up to him, Uh, and the safety came over the top as well. So, you know, Tyler tried to force it to him a little bit too much late in the game and uh, started focusing on Colby Young a little bit too much as the game wore on. And I think that's, that's one of the things that Tyler... Um. Does when he finds a guy that he's comfortable with, a guy that he feels he can trust, he's gonna go there ninety percent of the time and start to lose focus on on what's going on in the other areas of the rod concept and lose other guys. Um, but for the most part, I thought he played well. He missed a couple throws. You know, not as bad as he's been uh, leading into these last two games. I think these last two games are really a turning point for him in terms of his accuracy, his willingness to go down the field with the football. You know, his confidence in the offense. I think has been great. Um and and I think it shows. I think obviously the penalties, 17 penalties uh for 159 yards, I think it was really changed the game a little bit offensively. There were there were plenty of drives in that second half that were short circuited because of the penalties. You know, you ended up in a lot of third and fifteens, third and twenties, third and twenty-fours. Um you had opportunities where you could have gone for it maybe on fourth and short, but you were then pushed back to a, a, a fourth and six. Or, you, you know, you had to, if you had a chance to go two, two for one, essentially, you know, making it a four down territory type drive, um, you got knocked out of that because you got pushed back too far and you weren't on, you were in your half of the field instead of their half of the field for that fourth down shot, which makes a difference. So, you know, overcoming those things, you know, committing those penalties and, and doing all that stuff, you know, that hurts. And that's something that needs to get cleaned up. But I think the positive is they overcame that got the win and got out of there and got the hell out of Dodge with a W. And that's something they need. I think this team desperately needed for the locker room, for the culture inside the building to get a W no matter how it, it, they got it. They just needed to get one. And I said that in the preview pod, that it might be ugly. It might be a slog, you know, um, and then essentially they, they come out with a victory and it looks a lot better later on because it's what spurs them to, to victory in other in other places because now that monkey's off their back. They don't have that pressure of, you know, we've got to end the losing streak. we got to end the losing streak. Now they're just going can, to can just go out and play. And I think that's going to help tremendously. Um, <clears throat> I liked what I saw, believe it or not, on Ke- uh, Keontra Smith. He played a really good game, made a really nice stop on a third down. Um in the flat coming up and making tackle on a guy had four tackles, I believe, didn't miss any of this game, looked good um, James Williams was up and down he was the one that gave up that touchdown to the running back near the goal line on the first one, he had man coverage, got lost inside, reacted late and got the touchdown thrown on him um, the offensive line was inconsistent, I think Jonathan Campbell had a rough game, um, I think PFF's number on him was like a 70 overall in terms of his uh, pass blocking grade, I think that was a little high for him um, he also had some, some struggles in the run game. He particularly had one play where it was an outside zone, I think with like a minute 50, something left in the third quarter, he was a backside tackle. And, you know, Jalen Knighton had a lane to cut up inside and, and gain 15, 20 yards, but Campbell got destroyed and his man made the play before Jalen Knighton can even plant his foot and get upfield. Um, there was, you know, obviously the, the defense, I thought played well, um, I think, you know, obviously the two late touchdowns kind of kind of uh, stains that a little bit. I think a lot of that has to do with being on the field for so long and that the offense couldn't sustain any drives because of the penalties, because of the inability to run the football. Um, because of going away, I think the offense went away from the bubbles. They went away from the quick screens. They went away from the RPOs and kept trying to f- push it downfield and went to a lot of comebacks um, instead. And uh, even, you know, when they went back to the bubble screen late to Brashard Smith, they were picking up yardage on it, just stuck with it. Um, to really wind the, deep, wind the defense and make them commit and come up so then you could continually hit them down the field. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it there were times where you felt like this, you know, this could be the moment where they score another touchdown, put this thing out of the reach and never got there. And I think the reason for that is the inability to run the football. I think, you know, late in the game, it showed why it's important to have a, a, a good run game. And I'm not saying that this team needs to be 70-30 run or 60-40 run. Uh, to look like Army, Navy, or anything like that. But I think you need to run the football. I think if you're 60-40 pass or 55-45 pass with an effective running game that can gain ground and in late-game situations, chew yardage, in short-yardage situations, get you first downs, keep drives moving, keep the clock moving, and continue to assert your will on that opposing team, that helps tremendously because you saw in this game, late in the game, we were all shitting bricks, right, because we couldn't run the clock out. Now imagine if Miami had done what North Carolina did last week, go on a 13 to sort of 17 play eight minute drive. Uh, Even if you end up with a field goal, you get some more points on the board and you've taken an immense amount of time off the clock. And it's basically, uh, you know, turn the lights out on Virginia tech and it's over, but because you don't have that ground game going, you know, and obviously part of that is because of the injuries on the offensive line, you know, had Ja'Kai Clark out, you had justice over out, you had, you know, Zion Nelson out for the longest time. Now you had an injury, to uh, Dominic um, Dominic Memorelli to Elijah Arroyo. Then you lose Mill Mallory during the game. Uh, at one point, Skinner came up hurt. So you were down at one point to your fourth and fifth tight end in that game. Um, you mostly played the second half with your third and fourth tight end in that game. So it's impressive that these things were overcome. They faced a lot of adversity in that sense. Some of it self-created through the penalties, obviously. Uh, but they were able to overcome that stuff and get the victory, which is, you know, it wasn't in, in the sexiest fashion um it wasn't the the cleanest of wins the most decisive of wins but it was a win and you know at the end of the day you get out of there you you keep moving and hopefully now you gain some momentum um and i think this is the issue with you know the short term memory that we have as case fans this game kind of reminded me of last season because you would have these moments where the offense just broke out and started scoring points and then you had long lulls where they did absolutely nothing and we forgot about this as canes fans we forgot that there were points where this offense just hit a dry spell and couldn't do anything, uh, because it was, you know, incomplete, incomplete, off the field. Quick completion, not enough for the first down, off the field. And that's what happens when you don't have a run game. When you don't you can't sustain drives that way, uh permanently. Yeah, Tyler got 350. Great. We got 20 points. Same thing with last week. We got what 496, got twenty-four points. It's 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 there has to be more balance for this team um to be able to to score points at will and control games. And I think you hit that 30, 40 point range consistently when you're running the football and you're able to keep teams off balance Um, defensively, you know, back to the defense. I think they did a good job of using cover two a lot again and mixing in some man here and there. Uh, I think, you know, they blew the coverage on the touchdown, the first touchdown and man, I forget what the second one was. Um, I think that second, I think the touchdowns late in the game by Virginia Tech also were spurred on by the defensive line, maybe getting a little too over anxious, overzealous, because they had been playing so well and so many sacks on Grant Wells and so much pressure that they got out of the rush lanes and Grant Wells was able to scramble, pick up yardage with his feet and also extend plays and throw the ball down the field a little bit. So that, that was hurtful. Um, I think they did a better job on the back end, not giving up big plays. Um, I think they're starting to get more used to playing this zone defense because obviously it's a big transition where you're going from mainly playing man to now primarily playing zone, um, which which is an interesting change. And I think guys look better. DJ Ivy looks better playing zone. I think Daryl Porter Jr. is more comfortable in this type of uh, off uh, defense. Um, even the Corey Couch looks a little bit more comfortable. So I think it's good for the Hurricanes to 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 be feeling more comfortable and mixing coverages a little bit more. And also they brought 11 blitzes this week as opposed to four last week. Um, so still not a big blitz number, but a little bit more aggressive with it than they were a week ago. Um, you know, overall, again, just happy with the win, man. Just happy to get out of there and get out of dodge. But I think from what I saw, there's there's some positives. There's, a, there's some negatives. Um, I asked you guys for your opinions. So we're going to get to that now in a second. So I can check your tweets and see what you guys said about the game. I put out a call for tweets after the game Saturday, said, how we feeling's Can- how we feeling, Canes fans? Give me your opinions. Give me your thoughts. And we shall get to that right now. All right. So we will start off with my man, Justin, here. Justin, at Canada Canes. Let me tell you something, Justin. Let me tell you. Just between you and me. All right. If I could eat poutine, drink a bat blue, and watch the Canes all at the same time, I'd be in heaven, my man. So hats off to you, my Canadian friend being a Hurricanes fan and having access to all that sweet, sweet poutine. Um, not, not, I'm not going to say what I was going to say because that's disturbing. But hey, some of you can figure it out. Anyway, uh, it's fine. A W is a W, but lots to work on. I agree, You know, like we just talked about. It, there's a lot of stuff that needs to be cleaned up, but thank God they got the W. We are horrible and in big trouble moving forward. That's from my man, Frank J. Heron. Frank, I get how you feel, man. Listen, just between you and me, this team's not that great, you know. you Got to get the wins where you can get them, and if you can get momentum and get this team believing in itself, maybe they can play above their head in a game or two, where you think they're probably going to lose and they pull out a win. That's the goal. I don't know we're we trouble moving forward. I think we the the narrative of being in trouble, I think is is set in our brains because of the Middle Tennessee game, you know. And I talked about that on White Right and talked about that in the preview podcast uh, this past week on my pod. A lot of our our, our um, mental image of this team has been shaped by that Middle Tennessee loss, and if that game had been flipped, we'd be feeling a hell of a lot, a heck of a lot different about this team than we are right now, because we f- we're fearing that inconsistency. But I think this team is who it is, you, who you've seen against Virginia Tech, North Carolina, Southern Miss. Um, this is in Texas A&M, really not Texas A&M. I think this team is who you've seen against Carolina, Southern Miss, and now. Virginia Tech. That's who they are. That's who they're going to be. Um, they've got to find ways to win. And you know, as long as they keep up racking wins and getting positive momentum, it's it's a good thing. Things will get cleaned up. They're not going to be perfect. They're not going to be in a situation where, like, at the end of the season, wow, look how far they've come. I don't think they'll get there, but I think you'll see improvements little by little. Hang in there, man. Don't stress it out too much. All right, who's next? Oh, my man. Sean von Furch, the man, the myth of legend. Uh, Happy to have a win, but it's just but it just isn't enjoyable to watch at this point. I disagree. This game was confirmation that the UM that UM is firmly entrenched as a mid-tier ACC program or ACC team. So yeah, I thought I found it enjoyable in the first half. Obviously, we were going up and down the field, scoring points. Second half became a slog, a slog fest, if you will. uh, I think because of the penalties and again because they went away from what was working in the first half. And they got a little greedy trying to go down the field a little bit too much. And I think Tyler locked on to Colby Young a little bit too much. And that's some of the things uh, that led to the offense being stagnant. And of course, not being able to run the football. Got the offense stagnant, didn't sustain drives, and allowed Virginia Tech to get extra possessions and get back in this game. And the defense at some point was going to break down and give up points because, you know, they're not perfect. No college football defense at this point is perfect, except for maybe Georgia. Um, But not even this year. So. You know, they're going to give up points and giving up only 14 in the situation after giving them so many possessions. I think they played solid they played well as a defense. Um, It sucks that the offense couldn't match that and continue that uh, momentum from the first half. But again, you know, got the W and got out, man. Sometimes that's the way you got to do it. You got to get in, get out and avoid any contact with anybody on the way out. Just keep your your head down, do the walk of shame and uh, go home and celebrate. Quietly. Corey Lowe. Just when I thought we turned the corner. They kick the you in the nuts and remind you we're still crap. You know, back to Sean's comment also about being a mid-tier ACC program, firmly entrenched in that, we're crap. This team is who it is right now, right? Right now, this is who this team is. It's been like that for quite some time. They are a mid-tier ACC program. To me, they look like a 5-3 ACC program. Can they swing one game or maybe two in their direction like they did last year? Unexpected wins against NC State and Pitt. Can they get an unexpected? Because right now, I'll be honest, a win against Florida State, to me, is unexpected. It's going to be a hell of a game. It's going to be tight. It's going to be back and forth. But I think Florida State right now, although they've lost three in a row as well, is the better team. But we have a lot of football to play. These Hurricanes get these three in a row now. They beat now the next two with Duke and Georgia Tech. Get the 5-3 and and roll into this game with some momentum at home against their rival and get a W there. Then you may flip the season right now the outcome of the season becomes different you beat your rival you if even if you end up eight and four you miss out on the ACC title game you've you finished on a strong run and beat your biggest rival and I think that's important um and who knows maybe like I said if they can get that flip on Clemson also because the momentum against Florida State that'd be great as well but you know Clemson looks like they've found themselves and I don't know about all that um who is next here Daniel Danto thirty three eighty six, not to be confused with camel. So started to feel like a loss. In the, as the second half went on, went kind of from dominating to the offense, being unable to do anything. And the defense waited until the fourth quarter. to suddenly be unable to stop anyone. In key spots. I know it's unable because he said that down there. Um, I get you, man. I feel it. But, uh, yeah. I started feeling like crap in the second half because they weren't able to sustain that momentum from the first, you know, like I said, with the defense, they were going to break down at some point. They were going to give up points. Unfortunately, it happened in the fourth quarter when you don't want it to happen, but then that's when you as an offense need to lock it down and say, now it's our turn to put this game away. We got to put this game to bed and you got to make the place to do it. And and you got to be able to run the football and be able to put those those teams away to, you know, chew up yardage, chew up clock, get first downs and eliminate any possibility of a comeback. Um, here we go. This is, uh, Sean's stuff. Let's see. And I think that was, oh, this is my man, Rusty Sedaris. Just show you the, gif, the gif right there. Kyle having them stuck stomach pains, feeling like the mud butt was coming on in that fourth quarter. I felt it. I felt it myself. Had to go get some KO pectate. Um, my man, TT Komakati on the road, multiple injuries, to starters and key rotation players and undisciplined play. They found a way to win put in the work and get better next week. I agree. Um, you know, they overcame a lot of self-inflicted wounds. They, they overcame a lot of injuries, a lot of stuff going into the game, you know, missing your lead back, missing three offensive linemen, you know, injuries in game also that, that hurt you. So I think it was promising that they overcame a lot of this stuff. And I think this is going to be important later on in the season where you face adversity and are over to, able to overcome it. The one thing this team has yet to do and and I haven't seen in the last three years, probably, is overcome an early deficit overcome um you know being down for two three quarters and then starting to fight their way back in the game and get a win that's where they've been lacking that's something I haven't seen I've seen this I've seen them front run and and hold on for victory like they did against NC State like they did against Pitt like they did against plenty of teams during that run last year if they get up early they they know they know how to front run they know how to hold on for dear life at the end of games but they don't know yet how to come back and finish teams off after you know being down early, fighting their way back, fighting their way back into a game, and then finally uh, pushing towards victory in the end in, in late game situations. I think that's still a weakness of, of this team, of this program, of the mindset that's been here for the last few years. And I would love to see a game where they where they do that. Like you know, if they if they're down late to Duke and they come back and make make a run and win it, um, that'll get them even more confidence, more momentum, and sort of continue to build up their esteem, their self-esteem, if you will, uh, as they move on in the season. This might be my favorite tweet of all. Michael Abreu, it's as if Raul scored a bunch of mangoes, but then got nabbed by the cops. Then charges were dropped, and they gave him a mango to take home as a souvenir. A mango is a mango. There you go. How else can you put it? What, what What other analogy is better than that? A mango is a mango. A win is a win, my man. Thank you, Michael, for the uh, the tweet. You win tweet of the day. Chris Landers. Enough with the negativity. We have many injuries. The penalties coaches will handle. Be fired up with the W uh, in one of the toughest environments in the NCA. Let's get ready for Duke. Yes, uh, Blacksburg is a tough place to play. They were rocking. That place was packed. And uh, it was good that they were able to handle that environment and get the dub. Oh, my man, Larry Schender, always participating, Miami Media Associates. Colby Young is for real. We have a wide receiver. Uh, One good thing, he sat the first four games. For the redshirt, um, it doesn't matter because if he plays four games a season, he still gets redshirt. I think Colby himself said that he he sat early on because he just wasn't comfortable with the offense. He didn't know what he was doing out there. Then he finally was able to get out there and, and make plays. I think the greatest thing about Colby Young is not just, like I said, his ability to get downfield uh, and make contested catches, but his catch radius is, is big. He's got really good hands, which is great to see. And uh, now Tyler has a guy that he knows he could trust in tight windows. He could throw it up to him and let him go make a play. It doesn't have to be a perfect pass every time, and that gives you a little bit more leeway as a quarterback and gives you more confidence in knowing that you don't have to make the perfect throw every time. Your guy's going to help you out. Uh, what we got here, El Cuiche. What's up, my man? Good special teams and tackling in space. Need to cover backs out of the backfield better, James Williams, and good road win. I agree. You know, get the W, get out of there. Let's go home and celebrate. And I think we are. Oh, here are a couple more. Sam Knowlton, the man who runs on the Manhattan Bridge, thankfully took my advice. He avoided the homeless people. He avoided the muggers. Got home safely even warned a nice European couple of the dangers of running the Manhattan Bridge. The VT fans of the game were saying they've never seen a team just walk off the field after a win. Don't want to celebrate it except one assistant coach, even as our section went crazy for them, I think it's a situation where the team at this point um, knows that this, a win is a win, right? They're not going to celebrate it too much. They've been it's They, they want to act like they've been there before, but I think they, they know they left a lot of plays on the field. And I think that might be the reason why they weren't as excited. Uh, and getting into that, Micah left too many plays in the field. Dead ball penalties by the offensive line, lack of consistency in the run blocking was bad today. I agree, Micah. We talked about that, and that's definitely a main concern. If they can get that running game uh, issue resolved, I think this offense is going to look a lot better. Like I said, I mean, TBD threw for 351. I think they had like 438, 458 total yards. Last week, same thing. He threw for 496, 538 total yards. If you're not getting anything out of the run game, teams are going to, and, and t- you're going to be one dimensional. You're going to be a hell of a lot easier to defend. Because what happened the last two weeks, TVD threw for over 900 yards. How many points do we score? 44 in two weeks? 20 and 24? It's not enough. Not enough to win. Not consistently, not against better teams. So um, here we go. Michael Bonister. They were too close to giving the game away to celebrate. That and Mario's mentality. Act like you've been there before, especially with a team. You should have blown out of the water. Yep, I agree, man. Nothing I can say to counter that. Uh and that is it. And whoop, there it is. That's from my man Stephen Thunder in relation to the news about tonight's live recording of the Wide Ride podcast at the Garrison Tap Room in Miami Lakes. We are starting to record at 8 p.m., probably be there a little bit sooner to interact with you guys. Uh, you know, if you guys want to hang out, have some beers, talk. We will be taking questions from the audience at one point. And uh yeah, just hope to see you guys there. Hope to interact. And this is a good opportunity for uh for us to help celebrate the pod, celebrate the the fans. And really thank you guys for your support. So there you have it. Wide right this evening at the garrison. Tune in for my game breakdown of Duke later this week. And uh, there you have it, man. Go Kings! Oh, by the way, one more note. The reason I am wearing this, this polo at this point in time and the reason why I am not having a hat on my head uh, is because I'm doing this from my office. I am not in at home. Uh, I'm working from the office during the day and I'm taking time away from paying legal clients to be able to do this for free. So you're welcome that I am giving you my time for free and this beautiful little polo shirt um, to record this podcast. So there you go. Go Kent.